Welcome to the Nino's Corner Podcast. This is beautiful. What is that, velvet? Hosted by Nick, Nino's Corner Battle. Damn right. What's up, peeps? Nick Battle, a.k.a. Nino's Corner, man. First off, if you like this content that is coming your way, hit that subscribe button, hit that bell. Uh, means a lot. Helps the channel grow a lot. Um, it's been a while, man. It's been a while. Uh, I just want to talk about what has been going on. First off, man, um, look, I'm in the military. You guys know that. So I have uh, been in the process of moving. I'm in Connecticut now. About to move back to D.C., going to the Pentagon here in the summer. So I've been buying a house down there, getting my house out here, rent it the whole nine. Uh, but I've been so busy, folks. So, so, so busy. Uh, but folks, man, other than that, let's talk about what exactly I'm going to talk about today, man. Today, man, I'm going to talk about what is championship death, right? I was uh, listening to Rob Babers this morning, and I was hearing exactly what he was talking about with the championship death. And I'm going to talk about that. Anybody that knows me knows that you know, um, I went to Texas 01 to 05. I was a football player's RA, so I know all these guys. And I was talking to a couple guys from the 05 team not too long ago. And we were just talking about just how dope this team was, man, and how talented this team was. And just like the folks that were on the scout team, the level of talent that was on the scout team was just as good as what was starting. I'm going to say just as good. We had a guy named V.Y. that was on the offensive side of the ball and a, a, a really good slew of um, DBs and just a defense as a whole that was on the defensive side of the ball. But I want to talk about what championship depth looks like. Folks, let's talk about 2003-2004 time frame. If you go look at the scout team for Texas, you go look at the scout team for Texas, folks, you're going to see um, – some guys that you might not even know about. It's a guy named Eric Foreman, who was the scout team quarterback. Um, let me tell you how freaky talented that this guy was. Eric Foreman was a beast, man. Came in as an athlete, um, you know, out of high school. Uh, ends up coming to Texas. He was a, he was a quarterback at, at uh, in, in a high school. Goes to Texas. He's so freaky of an athlete that they actually moved him to linebacker and he was starting at the linebacker position coming out of camp. He didn't want to play linebacker. He wanted to go back and play uh quarterback. But of course we got a guy named Vince Young who's playing quarterback. So it's hard for anybody to crack that, crack that starting lineup unless Vince gets hurt. Right. And so Eric Foreman moves from linebacker where he was basically guaranteed to start goes to quarterback folks. 6'4", 215-pound cat, and uh, is a beast. Is a beast, but he's on the scout team because Vince Young. So that's when we're talking about just the level of depth and talent. Eric Foreman was a beast in high school. Let's go down to the running backs, guys. On the scout team and running backs, man, you had guys like Ramon Taylor, Eric Hardeman. And, folks, when we talk about the running backs, we know who RT is. RT played in the championship game in 2005, um, but RT uh, also plays, played a little scout team, um, you know, at some times when he wasn't in the in the favors of Coach Brown and team. And I was talking about this with my boy George Walker, but uh, RT was a beast. And I had a conversation with him uh, with with George Walker about this. I said, George, I'm not saying RT was Reggie Bush. 
But if you flip flop and you put RT on USC and you take away Reggie Bush, USC still does great things in that offense with or without Reggie Bush with uh, a guy named RT, Ramon's Taylor. Ramon's Taylor, go look up his story and you see how great of a player he was. I remember going to go see him play in high school uh, down in Belton and remember seeing that he's one of the best players I had seen in person live uh, ever. He was that damn good. He was that damn good. Um, so that's RT. The next person we're going to talk about at running back, man, is a guy named Eric Hardman. If you guys know me, I'm a big Eric Hardman fan. We called him E-Man. Um, if you go back and look at one of my previous episodes where I had a I had an interview um, uh, with uh, Tim Crowder. And, and Tim Crowder played for the Broncos. He played for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, he played about five seasons in the league. I asked Tim, what player – what player um, – did he think should have been an NFL player that didn't make it at Texas for whatever reason? Tim's the first thing he said was Eric Hardman. And Eric was one of my favorite players. I remember at Texas folks, you, uh, you could go to their practices. You could just show up. And I was the RA for this guy. So I would just go to the practices, sit in the stands and watch the players play. Um, but Eric Hardman, we called him E-Man. This dude was about 225 pounds. Uh, it's funny. Tim Crowder told me he was like the dude had like uh, turtle shells, his calf muscles. That's how big he was. But he was big. He was fast. He was strong. He was physical. Um, I think Eric ran a 10-6 or so in the in the 100-meter dash at a 220-225-pound running back. Just to let you know how good E-Man was, Eric Hardeman. Tim Crowder told me he was the best and most talented running back he has ever played with. And I'm going to go through my notes. If you don't believe me, go back and look at my old episode where I interviewed Tim Crowder. Now, in college, Tim Crowder played with Cedric Benson, Ramonce Taylor, uh, Jamal Charles, Selvin Young. And then the pros, folks, he played with Travis Henry, Cadillac Williams, and LeGarrette Blunt. And so when he says Eric Hardman was the most talented running back that he has ever played with, and Eric didn't really get any snaps at Texas because he got, in, you know, just in some trouble. But he was a guy that was on the scout team as well. OK, so now you're seeing the kind of players that are on the scout team. Let's go to wide receiver. I just talked about George Walker. That's my boy, G-Walk. G-Walk was one of the top wide receivers in the country. Myron Hardy, one of the top wide receivers in the country. Both of them 6'3", 195 pound, 200 pound guys that could fly. Robert Timmons, a guy 6'2", 215, 220 pounds, uh, went to Roosevelt, um, you know, down in Oak Cliff, ended up going to go play, I think, his junior and senior year at Flower Mound. I think Marcus at Flower Mound um, and one of the top wide receivers in the country coming out of high school as well. Robert Timmons got snaps as a true freshman in a lineup. It was him, uh, Roy Williams, I think Sloan was there, and B.J. Johnson. He got – he started the game or two as a true freshman. Um with the Texas trio of wide receivers that are probably the greatest trio wide receivers Texas has ever seen. Okay. So that shows you like the level of talent. I remember seeing Robert Timmons in high school because he played ball with my cousins down at Roosevelt and he was, um, he was a quarterback uh, and he looked just like Donovan McNabb. And I remember me and Rob T used to actually live together in the summer times, um, you know, like down in Austin and we would sit there and watch some of the old films of him playing quarterback at Roosevelt prior to him going over to a flyer mount, but that's a level of talent. So you're talking about three huge receivers at six, three, six, two, all of them, one ninety five 
plus Rob T being the exception at 215 to 220, right? Um, yeah, you're talking about some big dudes, man. Hey, Paxton, what's up, buddy? What's up, D-Trailer? D-Taylor, I'm sorry. PG, what's going on? I ain't talking about them right now, man. We're going to talk about championship death at Texas and what that looks like. But in saying that, the death at Texas at that time was, was outstanding. Mac Brown did a hell of a job of hoarding talent. He's, I, I don't think we'll ever see this again in the state of Texas. He would just go get all the talent that he wanted. He would hoard it. And like Rob Baber said today, earlier today on the Blitz show with uh, Jeff Howe, Rob Baber said Mac had no offensive identity. He would just go and get as much talent as he can and make the identity fit his talent as he got the talent. Like you said, Chris Sims was a whole different system um, than the system that Vince Young ran, than the system that Colt McCoy ran, and then the system that we eventually got with um, Garrett Gilbert, and that was when Mac was trying to establish the power running game wasn't the right team for us. But Texas has so much talent from that 01 to 05 range, that 01 to 0, you know, with an 01 to 2010 range, um, that scout team DBs. Let's talk about DBs. You know, so G Walk actually told me about the uh the DBs and I know these guys as well. I know E Jack. So Eric Jackson, I think Eric came from Duncanville. Um then we had Ryan Palmer. Ryan Palmer had a cup of coffee in the league too as well. Um Steven Richardson. Uh so Looking at those guys that were on your scout team, having guys that were NFL talent on your scout team, um, a guy like Ejack, kind of a long, lanky guy that started a lot of games here towards the end of his career. Awesome talent, man. That was the scout team. And one other player that I forgot, this guy, Chris Obanow. Anybody knows that he moved to running back at Texas during, during like the latter part of his, uh, his um, stage here at Texas, ended up going to – be an undrafted free agent. I, uh, I think with the Browns played about five or six years, you know, in the league. Um, so he had a really good, you know, a good time to actually play in the league. And he was basically Texas's second or third string running back when he, when he came to Texas and rose up through the ranks, started out at wide receiver. He was on your scout team. So you're looking at, when I talk about a scout team, I remember coming back in the dorms and stuff, dudes all tired. And they're like, man, the scout team got us today, bro. This is the first team defense. These are guys like, Big Dibs, Larry Dibbles, uh, Tim Crowder, per se. Um, looking at guys like Mike Williams. I'm not talking about Mike Williams, folks. I want to talk about Mike Williams for a minute. Not Mike Williams that was the offensive lineman that got drafted by the Buffalo Bills in the first round. Texas had a defensive end slash outside linebacker named Mike Williams, who was, uh, I, I think he was from Lindale, Texas. Freaky athlete. Freaky athlete, folks. This dude had NFL written all over him. He was just a freak. When you talk about just an athlete, um, never knew why he didn't make it. I know why he didn't make it, but um, just a freaky athlete. That was the kind of talent that Texas had here on the 40 acres. That is championship death. That is championship death where your scout team is full of guys who are the top 50 players in the country, top 100 players in the country, and your scout team is given your, your 05 defense, uh, which was – uh, a really good defense that was stacked with talent, which I want to talk about here, you know, in a minute also, um, where uh, they were giving them fits. They were giving them problems. They were winning some of those battles, folks. I want y'all to understand how good that Texas scout team was and the level of depth on that team. Now, let's talk about the depth at DB during that time frame. I'm going to name five guys, folks, five guys, from um, 
I want to. I'm gonna name five guys in that Texas defensive backfield that got drafted, and they were all on the same team in 2005. Guys, we had guys like where my notes at Cedric Griffin. People love to forget Ced G. Ced G was tall, lanky, a monster on the field, physical, no joke. All right. After Ced G, man, let's talk about Aaron Ross, A Ross, man, A Ross, another tall, lanky. Thorpe Award, what Thorpe Award winner, man. These guys are the same team together. Terrell Brown, T. Brown, T. Brown. He was on the team. Mike Huff. Think about that for a minute, folks. Mike Griffin. That's five guys on that Texas defensive back uh, field that were on the team at the same time with each other, folks, that were able to all get drafted. I'm talking about. High draft pick. Said Griffin, I think, was the second or third round pick. A. Ross was the first round pick with the Giants. Terrell Brown was the only one who wasn't a high draft pick. And that's because um, he had an off-the-field incident after uh, the season was over. Pushed his draft stock down. But I think Terrell Brown had the longest career out of all of them, with probably the exception of Michael Griffin. Kind of shows you just the level of talent that T. Brown was. I think he got drafted with fourth, fifth round, or something like that. He was a second-round talent, at least second-round talent. And then, like I said, you got Michael Griffin, man. You get all these guys in the team together. That was the level of talent Texas had here on the 40 acres, folks. Um, Nick V, let me just comment. In today's college football, death would be harder to have with the portal unless there is an established developmental history. Exactly. And that is what when I talk about once once people say about that, um, about that scout team and just how great that scout team was and how the scout team would give the starting defense problems. The scout team defense would give the starting offense problems. People used to say it all the time, man. All the time. Yes, exactly. Alabama scout team, I guarantee you, they're giving Alabama starters a run for their money because they just stack talent. Georgia's the same way. That's what Mac Brown had in 2000, from 2000 to 2010. He stacked the talent, folks. He stacked the talent. Now, when I say this, I'm saying all this because, yes, Texas is starting to stack talent here on the 40 acres. We're starting to do it. You see what Cal Flood is doing with the offensive line, bringing in that hell of a class with DJ Campbell, um, Kelvin Banks Jr., um, Neto, um, Ogbo, Connor Robinson, and I'm missing a couple. I mean, oh, yeah, Big Cam Williams, Cole Hudson. I mean, they brought in seven guys last year. This year, they're bringing in more big bodies that he likes. Um, my guy, Connor Stroh, I love, you know, his game. Uh, Chapman, Goosby, um, uh, I'm missing uh, I'm missing young dude, young dude. Somebody give me his name. I, I interviewed him, too. I, I, I see his face, too, man. 345 pound dude. Um, yeah. Golly, what's the what's the kid's name? And I interviewed the guy. But anyways, bringing in those guys. Yeah. Peyton Kirkland. I forgot about big Peyton Kirkland. But I'm talking about the other guy. Um, we had Peyton Kirkland. We had Gooseby. We had Connor Stroh. We had Chapman, and we got the young dude from Texas. I forgot his name, and it's going to kill me because I interviewed him. Peyton Kirkland's the only one that I didn't interview. Um, and I see his face right now. But anyways, he's the youngest one. He's like 16 years old. Really good player as well. Good feet for a big dude as well, too. But Texas was able to sharpen, like you say, there you go, iron sharpens iron. 
Texas was able to put the best players against each other 24-7 in practice and let things get nasty, man. Texas had talent at that time. They were stacked. Um, they even had guys, man, Bobby Tatum. It was a guy that people don't talk about who was a monster to as well. And Dorian McCullough, this kid came in as a freshman, ended up starting some games as a freshman. I mean, he had a, he had a really uh, – he, he was very talented, fast guy that ran track as well. I think he ended up going to go play at Oregon or Oregon State, and he went to the league for maybe a year or two. But that's the kind of talent Texas was, was churning. Texas is starting to get into that, um, that mind frame now where they are building – uh, more talent, getting people uh, to build up the trenches, getting people to build up the depth here at at Texas. And we're starting to hopefully potentially get to where we have a scout team that can do some wonders and do like basically whatever they want to do against our our starting offense or starting defense. I'm not going to say whatever they want to do, but they can hang. And I think we're getting to a point there. We're going to look at this year, man. So we got Quinn Ewers, who is going to be starting this year. I think everybody understands that. But now look at the scout team. Is it going to be Malik Murphy? Is it going to be Arch Manning? I don't care. Either one of those two. If those are your scout team quarterbacks, do you know how good that's, you know, good that is? I remember hearing reports from Alabama when Jalen Hurts was a freshman. And I think it was Derrick Henry's side, because I think Derrick Henry's uh, senior year was Jalen Hurts' freshman year, you know, and, um, this was a dare. Yeah, yeah. It was one of the it was one of the one of the backs at Bama said that that young quarterback, that young freshman is a monster. He's going to be a problem. And he was talking about Jalen Hurst at the time. He had enrolled in school early, a whole semester early. And um, he was wrecking shop in spring ball. He wrecked shop in fall as well. And um, yeah, he was a problem. And we saw what Jalen did when he was a problem, you know, actually coming in and, and playing as a true freshman and doing this thing. PG, I see what you're saying. Should be Murphy. Should be Murphy. Hopefully Murphy, Murphy's foot um, is a lot better uh, because I think he is 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 one of those talents that his ceiling is going to be astronomically high. And I think I think he can do great things. Um, but getting back to just the level of talent that Texas is going to have to have here to be a championship team. You know, once we talk about championship depth. Folks, championship depth is making sure that the guy who is number 85 in the roster um, has a high floor. You know, it's building up that floor. It's making sure that your floor of the team is outstanding. When you have an outstanding floor, when you don't mind having somebody that comes from the floor be able to come in and give you 15 or 20 snaps if need be, you're in a great place. It's hard to get to that place, though, folks. That's one thing. It's hard to get to that place. I think Sark is doing it right now. Let's look at what he's doing here for the wide receiver position. The wide receiver position, Sark is, uh, he has Xavier Worthy. He has Jordan Whittington, okay? He has uh, A.D. Mitchell, Isaiah Nayor, all right? Casey Kane's still on the team. Now, you couple that with Jonte Cook, uh, Brennan Thompson, right? Savion Red moved to running back. So he's he's out of the equation there, but choices singing his praises, right? You got him. You have um uh um who's the other guy? Ryan Niblett, DeAndre Moore. You you're starting to stack top 100 level talent that are going to be running with the scout team, second and third teams as well. They're going to be running with those teams so that when they play against first team defense. 
these guys are going to be able to do some damage. Look at the defensive side of the ball. Look who we're going to have running scout team this year on defense. Um, Akana, LaFowle, Burrell. You know, these are all candidates for scout team guys, man. Um, Anthony, uh, yeah, man. God, Lee, they got so many players. Texas defense did an outstanding job of getting talent here this year. You know, so Anthony Hills as well, man. So um, there, there's a lot of talent here on this team. Um, are they championship level, championship depth yet? We'll see. Probably not right now, but you see what Sark's doing. We got to we, we got to shore up those trenches, folks, when it comes to the defense side of the ball. Getting a guy like Sadir Mitchell. Awesome. Awesome pickup. I think that was an amazing pickup. We need more of those. You go back to those two thousand two, three, four, five teams where you have guys like Larry Dibbles. You have guys like Roger Wright. You have guys like Big Franco Cam. You know, uh, uh, yeah, you have guys like Stevie Lee. You have guys like uh, Marco. Yeah. You had big bodies there in the middle that were nobody to play with. Texas had so much talent that, that they couldn't get in the field, folks. And we had guys, and it's a it's a blast on pass. Garnett Smith was a guy who was a highly touted player, man. And I'm gonna tell you what, he had to transfer. That's how much talent we had on this team, especially at the linebacker position. Guys like Aaron Harris, who was who was a beast, a monster, just that calming guy. He was a, he was an animal on the field, but you knew he knew his job, he knew his position all the time. A Harris was a monster here at Texas. Um, of course, DJ. Everybody knows Derek Johnson. I mean, come on, DJ's DJ. Sergio Kendall. Uh, you know, um, Arakpo. I mean, come on, man. We had it. We had it. We say, Paxton, I'm not going to any away games this year, Nino. I'm bad. <laughs> My wife got me tickets to the uh, Bama versus Texas game at Bama. And, um, you know, I like to uh, watch home games in person, not away games. Um, but I might have to break down and go to the game. So, you know, you know so we'll see. Um, let's take a look. What you say, Nick? The 2022 D-line group um, mostly red-shirted and it's a year older. Yeah, like Bledsoe. Aaron Bryant, Chris Ross. Hey, Nick, I'm with you on that one, man. Bledsoe is one of those guys who I am excited to see. I'm ready to see Tap, too. I want to see what he's going to do. Ethan Burke, you know, getting um him and, you know, um and Vasek. Oh, my God. This is going to be a really deep team. I, mean, I won't say deep. They're not a deep team yet because when you start talking about guys who are outstanding guys going to go play on that scout team, you're talking about guys who are third and fourth stringers. I don't think any of these guys are going to have the opportunity to be third and fourth stringers. These guys are going to have to come in and expect to play. They're going to have to expect to play or compete in a two deep. Um, and that's what Texas is going to have to get over the hump there is be able to stack so much talent that you bring in a guy like, Anthony Hill, Samaj Burrell, Akana, Leona LaFowle, and they're not expected to come save the program the first year. These guys are expected to come in, mature in the program, get bigger, get stronger, get faster, and by second year, they're coming in, bam, hit them, right? So that's when you can start to manufacture depth, when you know that you got a lot of a lot of talent on this team where you can stack guys. One thing that I think Texas did well last year was the Texas offensive line was pretty damn good last year was pretty damn good last year. And I say that because when you're able to 
have a top five player, top 10 player in the country in DJ Campbell, and he barely plays any last year. You see the Texas teams two or three years ago, if DJ Campbell's on this team, he's automatically plugged in as a starter. I don't care when he came in to practice. I don't care if he came in spring. I don't care if he came in the summer. I don't care if he came in a week before camp started. He was going to be a starter on the team. Shows you the kind of depth that Texas has manufactured where the offensive line has become, I would say, a strong suit of this team. Um, so when I talk about that depth, man, what is championship depth? Championship depth is where you have great players who are running scout team. <laughs> no, no kidding, man. No kidding. I just had this conversation with um, with George Walker yesterday. Uh, no, Sunday we were talking about just how talented this squad was. A guy like Vince Young was number one player in the country. But guess who was in front of him? See, people don't like to talk about this name either. We had a guy named Chance Mock who was a five-star quarterback. And Chance could ball, man. He wasn't Vince, but Chance could ball. He's a five-star guy. Everybody in the country wanted Chance Mock. And Chance Mock started. He started pretty much half of Vince's first season. And it wasn't bad. I mean, people were calling to move Vince to wide receiver. I mean, that's how stacked this team was, and that's how – they didn't think Vince was picking up the offense quick enough or he wasn't practicing well. But anybody knows Vince, when the light turns on, Vince is playing, right? And But but Chance Mock was a very serviceable, a very good quarterback to where people just wanted Vince in the field. They were willing to think about hearing Vince at wide receiver, number one quarterback in the country, number one player in the country at this time, perfect recruit ranking, 1.000. People want to move Vince Young to wide receiver, folks, because they just wanted to see him on the field. And we had a really good quarterback in Chance Mock. Now, of course, we, we make that change. I think Chance Mock, um, Chance transferred to Texas A&M Commerce, I think, and, you know, and played well there. And then, you know, Vince came and the rest is history. Um, would you say, Paxton, did we start three or four true freshman offensive linemen last year? No, we only started two. We started two true freshmen. That was Kelvin Banks Jr. And that was Cole Hudson. That's it. You know, those two guys started at offensive line last year, which was um, good that they got the experience. Um, and now they'll be stronger. Now, Cole Hudson's hurt in the spring here, um, you know, but we shall see. Uh, Pax, let me answer this question. Do we think we have a thousand yard back? Hell yeah. Jonathan Brooks, man. I didn't think it's a question. He's going to be a thousand yard guy. And I'm on the record of saying it now. People are going to eat me up when I say that you can chop this up however you want to hear, however you want to say it. Jonathan Brooks' season, it might not be what Bijan had. I'm not saying that. But Jonathan Brooks' season this year is going to be very comparable to what Bijan had last year. It might not be at the level of Bijan, but it's going to be real close. And I'm and I'm saying this because the offensive line here this year is going to be better than what Bijan has had to run behind these past three years. I think this was this year, 2022, was the best year, uh, was the best offensive line that Bijan Robinson had to run behind. And he had two true freshmen and a redshirt freshman blocking for him. Think about that for a minute. Now, look at what Jonathan Brooks is going to have to run behind. You're going to have Kelvin Banks Jr., who was, I don't care what my OU fans, PG, I see you out there. Um, Kelvin Banks Jr. was the best tackle in the conference one of the top three or four in the country this year as a true freshman he was that guy okay having christian jones back do you move christian jones in the guard um, because that's his natural position that's where he's probably going to get slotted to in the league i don't know 
You move him to guard. Jake Majors is there at the center position. What competition is going to um, – what competition is going to brew between him and Connor Robinson? Uh, does Cal Flood cross-train somebody else, a bigger body to play center? You know, I heard rumblings last year. They were even kind of tinkering with DJ Campbell at center. I mean, get your best five out there, right? But I think Jake Majors, he's a smart kid too, smart, smart guy, um, knows to play. He's going to have a lot of help around him. And Jake Majors can play too, man. He can play. Um, and then the other guard position, is it DJ Campbell? Is it Cole Hudson? Is it Nano? And then who plays right tackle? Does Christian Jones go to tackle? Does Hayden Connor switch over from left guard to right tackle now? You know what I'm saying? Or does Big Cam Williams come in and take the job? I mean, we have so much manufactured depth here in the offensive line. I think, I think Jonathan Brooks is going to have a great line to run behind. These guys are going to gel together. They've been in workouts for a couple seasons together. I think, I think they're going to be good. Hey, folks, I'm seeing I'm having some um, – Looks like my my service is kind of acting up. It's kind of weird because I'm plugged into um to uh my Ethernet. How's the service out there, Paxton? Is it sounding good? All right. So yeah, I went to Paxton uh tells me or you, you know, like whether it's sounding good. How about you, Nick V? How's the service sounding? But anyways, folks. All right, cool. We're good. All right, so. We got to get to that point to where Texas has that manufactured depth um, to where your your second and third stringers are chomping at the bit to play. I remember, uh, like I said, I was the RA for a bunch of these guys, man. I had a crazy floor. Um, I had G-Walk. I had Eric Hardiman. I had Cedric Griffin, uh, Nate Vasher. I think I had the Griffin twins as well. Uh, Robert Timmons, Tony Hills, you know, like shout out to Tony Hills, Tim Crowder. David Thomas, you know, DT was on my on my floor too as well. Um, yeah, I had a lot of guys, man, that were um NFL guys. NFL guys. So um, yeah, these these guys used to come back from practice and be like, hey man, that scout team gave us the work today. You know, so that's what you want to hear. It's not that your team's weak. When your scout team starts, when your scout team gives your team the work, that means that your team is strong all the way across the board. All the way across the board, man. So Shout out, man, to the Texas team, the 01 to the 2010 team, man, that just did great things, 2000 to, to 2010 and beyond. Mac Brown had this thing sewed up. Uh, so that's what we're talking about, folks. When we're talking about championship death, man. Uh, once we're talking about championship death, championship death is making sure uh, that we have enough players on this team to where you got guys chomping at the bit, whether, whether they're trying to um, actually play uh, on special teams, some of your best players coming to play on special teams or, or, or whatnot. And we saw that. We saw Michael Griffin uh, be um, punt gunner, uh, 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 play, I'm not playoff, um, field goal, blocking tons of field goals as well. You had guys out there fighting to get in the field. That's what you call trying to get your best players out there to do the, to just do the damn thing. Uh, but, folks, man, let me know. I'm out. I see that um, Paxton's saying that my sound is good. Uh, but my picture keeps freezing up, but it's no biggie, but I don't like that. So I'm going to log off here, man. It ain't going to be that much longer for me to get back on, folks. I know it's been going through a whole lot, moving and stuff with the military, man. So I'm getting ready to pack up a move in a couple months. I had to go buy a house in D.C., close on the house here on Friday. Uh, but, man, hey, I'm going to be on more often. Check out tomorrow, SEC Connect. Um, me, 
Steven from Fanatic Perspective, uh, Ty from Around the Table Sports, uh, Chris uh, uh, Chris Griffin from the Horn Sound Podcast and Jay from Unfair Sports. You know, we got our thing, but um, let me know what you guys think about the episode. Also, one other thing that, that, that I want to bring up is you got to start putting some respect on some of these older Texas players' names, man. Where the poll go around? Who's, who's the best wide receiver um, in, in Big 12 history, right? Best wide receiver Stats-wise, you got to put it on Crabtree, right? I give you that. Stats-wise, it's got to be Crabtree. Totally understand. What does Roy Williams do in a Texas Tech uniform? What does Roy Williams do in a Texas Tech uniform? What does B.J. Johnson do in a Texas Tech uniform? What's Sloan Thomas doing in a Texas Tech uniform? I'm just saying. A lot of it's about system. A lot of it's about fit. Um, and uh yeah, you gotta start looking at some of these guys. And you know, it's it's you can't blame Crabtree for being that good in that system. I mean, uh, it, it is what it is. Um, but start to look at what some of our players look like in the Texas Tech system, uh getting a ton of targets, a ton of catches, a ton of thousand yard seasons. Roy Williams would have killed it in the Tech system. We didn't run that kind of ball, we had a run heavy offense. We had Cedric Benson at the time. Said B was doing this thing. Rest in peace, Said B, by the way. Uh, but, folks, yeah, Rip Mike Leach as well. Um, let me know what you guys think, man. Um, let me give a shout-out to my sponsor, folks, first before I get out of here. Hey, folks, support for the Nina's Corner Podcast is brought to you by BetUS.com. And go to BetUS.com. Get yourselves 125% sign-up bonus using the code Nino's Corner at BetUS.com. Or just go click that link in my description. But, folks, I'm out, man. Thanks for joining me. Hey, a quick 30-minute session, man. I just I just had to get it in. Haven't been on in a while. So I just wanted you guys to know that I ain't gone. I ain't nowhere, man. I'm still here. And we're going to talk about just stories from the past here, man. I'm going to start bringing up stories from the past. I want to do a special about my boy, Eric Hardeman. Um, as you know, uh, well, I won't I won't bust a bubble on where, where Eric is, but I want to do a special and just tell you how outstanding and how good of a player Eric Hardeman was. I think he was the next great back here at Texas that never made it. A lot due to his own doing, um, but he was still one of the most talented players I think we've ever seen. Um, here um, on this campus that we never got a chance to see play because of, you know, some misfortunes in his life. But, folks, I'm out. Hook them, horns up all day long. Peace.